Go for it. You are listening to a podcast of spurious morality. I did it. <laughs> I did it. I did it without any mistakes. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> you realise I'm leaving all this bit in. Oh, good. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I am Johnston and I am joined today uh, by Jay. Hi. And by Tom. Hello. And I tell you what, Tom, I've realised something since you were last on. We've had Ooh. another Tom. We've got two Toms. Oh, there's two Tom. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. there's Tom. There's Tom as well, yeah. So there's you and there's Tom. Tom said. Are we going to have a way two... to differentiate the Toms if we're ever... I know, we're, we're, we're two-tomming. Podcasting um, together. It's going to be fine until we have a two-tom podcast. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. So I'm going to set it up. We're going to call it the Two Toms, and we're going to do that sometime soon. Uh, maybe we could do, like, an episode dedicated to, like, like doc- multi-doctor episodes or multi-master. Like, a multi-tom episode. Remote. Exactly. We'll have to go with a sort of silence of the library setup where you've got Dave and you've got other Dave. Yeah. But that well, means we have I mean, to I'm decide being, I'm who is other Tom. Tom. I mean, I, you know, I, I was here and first, so... I mean. It's anyway, this is this really is top-quality material for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. We are going to be talking about uh, releases from May from Big Finish. May releases from Big Finish... Uh, just a warning, there are going to be some spoilers in this episode, uh, so we're talking about big re- big finish releases from the last month, which includes The Sixth Doctor Adventures Waterworlds, Torchwood War Chest, Blake Seven Heroes and Villains, and The Ninth Doctor Adventures Back to Earth. Uh, we do touch on some other recent big finish stuff as well, so yeah, you have been warned, it's a bit spoilerific this one. Um, including uh, Torchwood War Chest, uh, Six Doctors mm. Waterworlds, mm. Blake Seven Heroes and Vi- Heroes and Villains, and we're gonna talk. <laughs> we're gonna talk about the uh, Ninth Doctor Adventures a bit as well, even though me and Tom have already talked about that, and even though we've got a Ninth Doctor episode coming up, we're just loving Back to Earth so much. We want to keep talking about it. So. Um, just very, very quickly, I am going to ask each of you what your favourite release of the last month has been. Jay, you go first. Oh, guys, I tried to choose my favourite child. I, I've only done Mortal World and Ninth Doctor this month, and I, and I like them both. E- I'm going to like them both equally because I think they're both really solid sets, and I'll go into why I like each of them for different reasons a bit later. Okie dokie. And what about you, Tom? Favourite set of the month? Well, I'm also going to sit on the fence a bit, but I, I think I think Waterworld as a whole I prefer, but I think the Natural set had some higher highs. I think that's the best way to put it. And Warchester was also really good. You see, I'm not going to be able to break the deadlock, but I might break the fence by also sitting on it. Oh, um, dear. I, I know. I'm completely agreed with you two. Waterworlds and Back to Earth have both been absolutely excellent it's been a very very good big it's been a really strong month one of the strongest months that i can remember really yeah i've uh i thoroughly enjoyed everything so i'm glad that we're all here and able to talk about it um let's dive straight in then to, uh, oh good grief that was accidental pardon the pardon. Oh, i don't believe you i don't believe you let's dive into Waterworlds then 
Oh, honest, I swear, I swear that was completely accidental. Um, but yeah, it's fine. This is all going swimmingly. Oh, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop now. I've got a sinking feeling it won't go very well if I carry on. Get off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shut up and ask you, Jay, what you thought of Waterworlds. This, the first set that's come out, was one of my highly anticipated releases of the year, as both of you know. I was very excited that we've got a disabled companion, and I really enjoyed the box set as a whole. I think it's sort of a reboot of the Sixth Doctor range for Big Finish, and I think it worked really well. And all three stories felt quite modern. They felt like modern Doctor Who stories. And I felt that worked tremendously well. I thought it was a great idea having them all as two-parters because I, I, I like a bit of a cliffhanger to grab me into the story and I think they all worked perfectly. Uh, and to be honest, I found all three stories really strong. Evidently, because Jacqueline Rayner's behind the wheel and she can do no wrong. Great, great, great writer. I loved her first story. I loved the setting. I loved how it introduced Hebe, I can't say her name. How do you pronounce her name? Hebe. Hebe. How they how they introduced Hebe. I thought the guest cast was spectacular for the first story, and yeah, uh, uh, it was really good. Now go on a bit more about Hebe once Tom's done. Go on then, Tom. It was good. <laughs> Excellent uh, review. Well done. Yes, that is my review. Uh, Eight out of ten. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much the same. It was, it did, it does feel like a very, f- not overly fresh. It is like I think uh, Jack Romano said in the interviews on the behind the scenes, these are quite trad stories, but it still feels like they're being made in twenty twenty two for a twenty twenty two audience. I mean, the 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 fact that Hebe's here does obviously elevate this quite a lot. Like you wouldn't have ever seen this in the 80s, maybe we haven't seen this now on the television. Um, but I still think there is a lot in the stories that does give you quite a lot to get a handle on. And yeah, it's uh, really impressed me. It was also one of my highly anticipated things, and it's, um, yeah, as good as I hoped. Uh, I can only echo what you two have said, really. It's been, it has been an incredibly strong set. Um, Hebe's a great addition, and... You know, really, when you think about it, the Sixth Doctor and Mel had so little screen time. You know, they had six episodes together on TV. They've had a comparatively small number of big finish stories together. Mm. I did a marathon of Six and Mel last year and sort of realised just how little there actually is. Well, Bonnie had, like, like... a massive gap, didn't she, where she wasn't recording. She moved away, didn't she, or something like that. So yeah. And and that seems to have been made up for this year alone. She's in everything, and it's great. Yeah. Um. And they're yeah, they're a great pair. I think one thing about sort of Mel is she suffered from something that maybe quite a few companions suffer from, which is she worked really well with the original Doctor. She worked really well with her original Doctor, but then after the regeneration, maybe wasn't as good a fit because the character was conceived to work well with the sixth doctor and not the seventh um and i think you can say this for sort of um adric and the fourth doctor works a lot better with four than five um and sort of you know it's it's something that's relatively common i think sorry the one that kind of books the rule is maybe sarah jane who you know works maybe equally well with the third and fourth doctors but yeah i think uh, Mel certainly suffers from the same thing as Adric, and I would argue maybe the same thing as Rose. The character works better with the original Doctor as opposed to the regenerated one. See, a lot of people do think that with a lot of the companions, I and mean, I think even Jay, I'm not sure, but I think he prefers Sarah with the third Doctor. Um, yes, love the third yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think for me, I think the opposite with every single one, except probably Mel. I think I think Mel does work better with six, but in most of the mm. cases, like I prefer 10 with Rose, for 12 with Clara, I prefer uh, 4 with Sarah. So even Five Doctor and Adric, I quite enjoy Fifth Doctor stories, mm. like getting annoyed at Adric and just having a go at him. 
I think really sort of, I'm, I'm totally deviating here, but I think the relationship the fourth Doctor has with Adric is much more that of a guardian and a child, mm. whereas the fifth Doctor's maybe a little bit more sort of... I think that's brother. the thing, though. When there is the changeover, it does completely recontextualise the dynamics. I do always find it quite interesting. I'd, uh, have, have we had that with a big Finnish companion? With I suppose we've had um, Annie Kingdom, which is a sort of... That sort of thing of a companion being with a different doctor and it being a different uh, dynamic, which is always, I always find it quite interesting how that does change between incarnations. I think, though, in some ways, you could argue that the doctor actually became Anya's companion in Dalek Universe. Mm. Um, Because, you know, there was no TARDIS, there was no travelling beyond sort of the circumstances that there was a bit of time travelling, wasn't there, eventually? Yeah. But um, there was no TARDIS. It certainly wasn't like a traditional Doctor Waterworld. Waterworld. Come on, Waterworld. Yes, let's talk about Waterworld. Water- <laughs> yeah. Good grief, we're waffling this evening. Let's talk about Waterworlds again. Um, World so the point I was making. The point I was making was that um, I like Mel and the Sixth Doctor. They work together very well, and yep. there is actually very little material that features both of them. So. It's a really interesting idea to add another companion into that mix because you've already got one fairly unexplored relationship and then shaken that up as well. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's going to make this Six Doctor range work so well is it's it's very, very unknown territory character-wise. Um, and it does, it does feel like they are exploring that. Like it could be... Um, I guess quite easy just to focus on Hebe, um, you know, because there's obviously she's a new character, there's a lot to do, but it does feel like, especially like obviously the third episode explores a bit more, it gives Mel something, like Bonnie Langford something to do, and it it does feel like um, it is just, it is, you know, it is developing all three characters, it's not just, which I think is, you know, again, makes it feel fresh and like a continuing adventure, because that's obviously what they would have done on TV. And I absolutely love the touch as well that um, Hebe knew Evelyn. Oh, it was. It, I, I, was ball, I was literally balling my eyes out when TK Maxx. It was, yeah, I cried It too. was so lovely. Beautiful bit the, of writing. The, the whole last, like, ten minutes, like, from when the Doctor and Hebe were talking, moving into the TARDIS, it was just perfect. It was... Mm-hmm. God, it was, it was one of the most emotional scenes that I've heard in years really it was uh, even think by it, now it's making me cry a bit <laughs> and it absolutely sort of set the tone for their relationship for the direction these adventures are going to go in and all that kind of thing and yeah well, it was just so that's it, thing, was it, it had been quite a by the number story up until that point really up until the last third of the story really and just you know we obviously then it just acts as a real tonal shift, and yeah, it's, just, it's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was quite a traditional story, but it was also a very good one to introduce a new companion. I mean, Hebe's, she was a character that stood out among quite a few characters, actually. It had a surprisingly large cast for the length of story and how claustrophobic the setting was. Uh, there were quite a few characters in there, um, which obviously, you know, they were handled well, I thought, and it did enable Hebe to sort of stand out amongst the crowd. Raina did mention the on the behind scenes that she did purposely make these as three traditional stories that weren't overly plotty because she wanted to put that spotlight on Hebe and she wanted to, yeah, she wanted to just show off the new companion and show her reacting to these quite typical Doctor Who situations. But then there is other elements. Like in this story, there's not... It's sort of built to be some big alien monster, but then it's subverted and it isn't. It's actually... There's no major sci-fi problems, really, in this story. It's quite a... You know, there's no big monster, a villain or alien, really. It's just um, a big of a science thing, really. Yeah, it's nice and simple to get your teeth into, really. Because if you want to introduce, mm. if you want to do something to entice a new audience to the Sixth Doctor Adventures, you don't want it to be too, like, returning monster-heavy sort of thing. And that's coming from me, 
someone who likes returning monsters. But even I found it quite fresh listening to three back-to-back stories that didn't really have any returning elements because it gave us time to focus on this new team with six Mel and Hebe. I think it worked quite well as an opening set. So you're not sad that the Sea Devils didn't appear in the water worlds? Really? Mm, oh, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe set two will be called Sea Worlds. Not, not cancelling Jekyll and Rainer yet. Not cancelling Jekyll and Rainer yet. Oh, please never do. Please never do. They had um, the opportunity to do it, though. But I think perhaps if it was a different producer behind it, we probably would have had a returning monster or two in it. Oh, yes. Or three. Or four. I mean, do we think we're going to see... Because um, obviously this has been... Uh, as stood out, I mean, it's the reason why I pre-ordered it, because it was it's a set of three standalone stories with no returning elements. Do you think that's going to continue through to the other sets? Or do you think we're going to no. actually I think see... we're gonna, we'll have a returning monster pop up at some point. Because that's what people... People would like to see a new companion facing against a established monster. Really, I think you say you like got to do it at some point. Yeah, I, I, I think that at some point um, it will pop up, and there's definitely sort of room in that era for some good, good appearances by certain monsters. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next, though, because it's mm. what we've had from this first set is. It is traditional, it is familiar, but it's done in an exciting way with a new character that I'm genuinely interested and invested in. I'm so invested in Hebe. She's so... She feels cut from the same cloth as, like, the the original 1 to 100 companions. I don't know if anyone else got that vibe, but she did feel like she did fit in right next to Evelyn, and it felt like she was, like... A natural successor to yeah. Evelyn, like she works bloody Which... brilliantly with Bonnie, though, as well. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's great chemistry between yeah, the three. Superb chemistry. I think the um, the sort of chemistry with Mel really came into play in that uh, in the second episode. Yeah. Hundred million mm. percent um, agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, Tides of the Moon. It very very quickly sort of separated them from the Doctor and kind of. Let them do their own thing. I was getting a Perry and Erriman vibes in that episode, actually, of the two. They felt very, there was sort of like a sisterly sort of dynamic between them. It was, it was great. Yeah, I think that's that's the word I was looking for. Sort of quite sisterly, very. They kind of wanted to handle, you know, being on this alien world and separated from the Doctor. Yeah, like they do. Like I really like that they they had like that conflict dynamic, like. They were bickering a bit. Obviously, they had a disagree about the fit fish person, but you know, and that's that's just interesting, and it's not yeah something that you always get really with these the companion dynamics. So I'm glad that we're getting it here. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that this is sort of a a fairly long run. I hope it's not wrapped up by the end of the second set. Um. You know, I'm hoping that this could run for a few years now, and it, it's I hope just it's nice to fairly see. long. But I hope it's not. I hope it has got quite a. I hope it's got like a defined beginning, middle, and end. I mean, it's not overly heavy. This isn't like the hex arc. I don't think so. It's. I mean, you could go on for quite a while with it being just quite light, fun adventures with you know a bit of recurring elements for some you know development stuff like that. But I don't want it. I think you could make it quite a concise... But, I mean, obviously, I hope it uh, goes past the second set, which I imagine is coming at the end of this year. Uh, it's next few months, yeah. Well, it's not been... Has it been confirmed that that's going to be a Hebe set as well? Because I don't... Or not. Very good point, actually. Um, judging... I don't think it's been an officially announced. But, I mean, I assume it will be because it would seem... But then maybe that's going to be the plan and they're going to have like a Hebe set a year and then I don't know a Perry set never know we never know let's have a look is this about the fact that Waterworld doesn't have a number on its spine does it not no no Uh, oh here we go Uh, on the Big Finish website um, I have been cheating and googling as we've gone along Uh, she is listed among the cast for 
Um, Six uh, Fox Doctor Adventures 22B. Right. Title TBA. So, um, so that's yes. definitely a Hebe set. And just check, the next year's ones haven't been announced yet. It just says Colin Baker, so... There we go. Yeah, we, we know we're at least getting one more Hebe set, and that is Wait. excellent. Yeah, I think so I think Colin Baker's in long next run, year's though. set. I think she's here for the long oh, run. Oh yeah. It, it, I mean, I I don't I don't necessarily want the character run for years and years and years and years and years, no. but it would be really lovely for. I mean, I'm also thinking, obviously, Ruth's quite a popular actress, and I think that's oh she is yeah just going to keep rising. So I think yeah, how long will Big Finish be able to keep her? Yeah. Yes, that's that's yeah. Judge, what I was judging to... what. Bonnie told me at a phantom event in January. I do think Ooh, they've recorded off. multiple box sets. Ah, oh, well, there you go. So. Well, fingers crossed, like we say. Um, so I'm going to very quickly push you both for uh, an answer to this. Uh, of the three stories in the set, what was your favourite? Uh, you go first, Jay. Oh. I'm actually a dreadful at titles. Hang on, let me get my box set. But I, I, I really, 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 really liked the last story, Maelstrom, that's it. I really enjoyed Maelstrom. I thought it was quite um, creative. And it, obviously the John, uh, Jonathan Morris story. And I quite like his sick Doctor stuff. And I quite enjoyed it. I like that it didn't take the obvious route as well. Because like, it would be no. very... Uh, like. I expect them to do the body swap with Hebe and someone else's body, but they didn't do that, no. which was quite, yeah. Which Bonnie I was really good in it as well. Oh yeah, I'm really glad that they gave Bonnie like a chance to sign. I thought she was uh, amazing in it. Mm. She's so great. And there is, there is a danger in a set that introduces a new companion of the old companion kind of being, put. Uh, just put in the background a little bit, but absolutely. But yeah, that's okay. what I was saying earlier. Like, I'm glad that they have. Con- Continue to develop Mel, and they gave her gave Mel a story in this because it it could have easily been free for Hebe stories, but the Mel story was really good. Absolutely, yeah. Um, your favorite story then, Tom? Probably episode two. I think it's the strongest overhaul and the most cohesive. Um, but I think the set works better. All three stories. I think they work the more. It's more the sum than the parts, really, because they're like they're really good stories. But it's as a, a a run that I think it really excels and becomes something really special to listen to. And I think that'll yeah. be true for the runner itself. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Uh, just to be totally different from the both of you, I'd say Rotting Deep was my favourite episode. Oh, really? The first one. I really um, enjoyed that. We had this last week. We had this last week when we talked about uh, David Tennant series. Each of us settled on a completely different one. So, uh, yeah. It'd, it'd be boring if you like morality Where we can never agree. Absolutely. Well, we never have to worry about that. <laughs> I, I, I'm just um, thrilled with PB, though, representation-wise. Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And it, it's, it's good to see that... Um, Sort of oh. big finish are kind of really pushing ahead. It is with representation so and things so like that. so important, especially for people like me who are disabled and wheelchair users, to have someone portray a disabled character who themselves is disabled. I think it's not a little leap; it's a mahoosive leap. It's so so important. And Ruth Madley is great. She was great in years and years. And she's even great in this, and I was thrilled when she was announced. That I'm sure you both remember my initial reaction when it happened. I even cried because I was so happy that finally that I'm I'm getting, and my community of other disabled people are getting a character who's disabled and is going on all these different adventures. And I think that's another reason why the ending of Rotten Deep made me cry because it's so relatable that someone in their position wants to escape and go on all these magical, fantastic adventures. And I sat there sobbing listening to it. And I think it's so good that she's being portrayed as this strong and independent woman with this incredible job. And she's up breaking all the stigmas that society have given to all disabled people. So, so good. I cannot praise this writing team enough with how she's been written, especially in episode two where she gets antsy about someone else trying to push her. I don't like that. 
And I think it was so I thought it was so good that it's part of her character story. And I cannot wait to see where they take her because it means so much to me that we're finally getting this. So props to Big Finish, props to Jacqueline Rayner, props to Ruth Madley and all three writers. I'm absolutely thrilled. Oh, fantastic. And very, very well said. Thank you. Yeah, Jack seems, she seemed pretty on the ball with um, like the representation. I mean, obviously I, I can't judge it as well because I, I don't know. But it to me anyway, it did seem like it... You know, it seemed quite. Um, it was so raw. He had us on and the ball of it. To me, anyway, because I think the society as a whole, not everyone in society, obviously, picture disabled people as a bit useless and brain dead and can't get good jobs and everything. When, in, in matter of fact, we can go out and do all these things that other people can do. And Hebe as a character is a perfect example of what we can achieve. And I'm so glad that we've got a companion like this. I love her. She's already in my top five already. Just great. Perfect. That uh, Beaming from ear to ear when I was listening to her. She's sassy. She's smart. The perfect. If you're going to do a disabled character, this is how you write one. And I think everyone else who has disabled characters in any of their media or fiction should take note from this massively. Because it's so important that we get a disabled person who's actually true to what we are like in real life and not like some alienated minority that we are most of the time treated as. These are so good. I love it. I could talk about it for ages, but I won't because otherwise this would be a three hour long podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, on that note, um, we will leave Waterworlds behind. All of us agreeing, I think, that it's just an incredibly good release um, perhaps one of the strongest of the year from Big Finish so far let's move along a little bit then um, I'm just going to very briefly talk about Torchwood War Chest um, which was sort of announced relatively soon before release and the cover was released quite late on when we all saw the cover we all just went oh it's Die Hard with Tosh um have you heard it, Tom? I have. I heard it. I finished listening to it at half six. Uh, uh, right, so you've you've uh, fresh, finished fresh it off very the, recently. Fresh off the yes, very recently. Yeah. Um, give us some thoughts then. It 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 was Tosh. It was Toshwood. I mean, Toshwood's always going to be amazing. It's you know you could have you could have just Tosh just walking about doing shopping at Tesco for an hour. Not that she wouldn't shop at Tesco. She could shop at waitress for now and it'd still be it'd still be wonderful um <laughs> yeah no, no i found it really interesting um it's a new ish writer i think she had a release in the latest war doctor but other than that this is her second story and uh, it was a really impressive um new set i quite liked uh it I mean, obviously, Tosh was great. I mean, she's always great, but, you know, it was a really captivating form, and she's quite cunning in this, which I found quite interesting. Uh, the general concept of the main sort of defence mechanism, and I found it quite interesting. I thought it was a bit of a meta-commentary on Torchwood, uh, sort of like Big Finish, like it, when the character's saying Torchwood is basically you and sort of like the idea of a big corporation, um, it sort of felt like a metaphor for the franchise, like... <laughs> In a way, like I think, I think there's definitely parts where it was sort of playing on that, and like where like so our big finish used a lot of the parts of Torchwood, and the weapons are sort of um like like they've sort of been there's sort of little parts that are left, and then you've got these other characters that are trying to take and use it for their own sort of game, but there's not they can't quite grasp a hold of it in sort of way. I I just felt like it was a bit of a meta commentary in that sort of respect. Um, and I've seen her referring to how there's not a ton of uh, main torch characters left, saying you're basically Torchwood. I, d- I don't know. It just it made me chuckle. Um, but yeah, it was a, a really interesting take on quite a common concept, really, of a defense mechanism that's live. But I think it was executed really well. And also, it was a unit crossover, so. That's another... It was indeed, although we didn't really find that out until the end. Um, I quite liked how 
uh, Tosh got to be a bit manipulative in this one. Mm. Um, in fact, so much so to the point you could probably have taken Tosh out of it, put Norton in, and no one would have batted an eyelid. Um, just in terms of manipulating other characters and sort of setting the whole thing up from the start and always being one step ahead. Um, it's 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 what you expect from Norton, I suppose. Whereas from Tosh, it, it's it's a real sort of punch the air moment. It's yeah, Tosh is kicking ass again. Brilliant. The side character itself felt a bit, especially the the female um, one. She she uh, she did feel a bit of a pastiche on Norton. A, a bit just like I think it was just in the performance. It was just quite very felt cut from the same cloth and sort of like. A big Finnish original character that didn't quite make the cut, sort of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's another very strong Torchwood story, um, and what well, we spoke in a previous episode about just how strong the Torchwood monthlies are, and it's it's good to see that this is continuing that run. Let's move on. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about it too much because, to be perfectly honest, I'm still hoping that one of you all will agree to do a Blake 7 episode with me at some point. Uh, but I have listened to Heroes and Villains, the latest Worlds of Blake 7 set, uh, which mm. came out this month. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, Heroes and Villains. I thought it was an interesting way of sort of approaching the Worlds of Blake 7 thing that Big Finish are still trying to establish, really. Um, Blake 7 reached the point a few years ago where uh, we sadly lost so many original and main cast members that it's it's no longer feasible to do full cast continuation adventures or stuff that slots into Series 3 or various things. Um, so the worlds of Blake 7 is sort of looking at other characters, minor characters, characters that popped up in certain episodes. And there's been a nice little storyline running through a few of them, which kind of concluded with the Baben release at the end of last year. So this was sort of a nice reset, really. And it was essentially what if the female characters that never really got enough to do in the original series on screen... Uh, sort of disappeared and had their own, sort of took the lead on their own story. Um, and it was really good to have sort of Callie and Gem- Jenna uh, team up and do the thing. Um, I'd say that of the three stories in the set, I probably enjoyed the second one the most, which was the deal with Dorian, um, in which the Dorian Grey inspired Dorian meets these two characters who never got to in the original series as both of these characters had uh, gone off and I think they both supposedly died off screen by the time Dorian came into the series. Uh, So it kind of fit nicely into continuity, didn't alter anything and just let them have a really good adventure and I liked the way it ended and led straight into Everyone Talks to Shrinker as well, which was another strong story. Um, like I say, I think that Worlds of Blake 7 at Big Finish is still kind of finding its feet. I think it needs to sort of bed it a bit more and have some its own sort of ongoing storylines. And, you know, it's already got its recurring Have characters. they announced any more sets since they did the big announcement of the Worlds of Blake 7 releases? Uh, the only one was this Heroes and Villains one, which is right. It, right. it was announced not that long ago. I think it was only a couple of months back, so it was a fairly yeah speedy, uh, speedy sort of turnaround from announcement. I do that quite a lot. I have a question days, for you, um, Johnson. Go ahead. Since you're a Blake Seven fan, and would you be opposed to? Obviously, we spoke about most of the main cast, and sadly, no longer with us. Would you be opposed to recasts to continue their stories? Um, not really, no. I, I, I don't think I'm ever really opposed to recasts, to be perfectly honest. I can see why it's a route Big Finish haven't gone down yet. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, Big Finish do uh, sort of... They, they give it time. They leave a bit of a gap. Um, and I think that in some ways, these characters, a lot of people would argue they are 
irreplaceable. The original actors that played them are irreplaceable. But I'd love to see somebody have a go. And they are, they're really good. They're really strong, rich characters. It's something that the series has always been sort of well known for. Um, and it would be interesting to see other people sort of have a take on those characters. Now, a long, long time ago, Big Finish did... Um, or were involved with a sort of reboot, an audio reboot of Blake 7 that did have uh, recasts. It, well, it was just complete recast across the board. Um, and I think it was sort of generally positively reviewed, but they kind of stopped at a few stories. They didn't go on and on and on with it. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what they do. There's definitely room for a lot of stories to be told in the same universe. I think the worlds of concepts does work because it's it's very rich as a sort of fictional universe. And throughout the series, it's always suggested that there's an awful lot going on. And really, we only ever see it from the perspective of um, the main seven characters. So, yeah, I hope the range continues. I hope they keep doing what they're doing and... I'm here for it if they do decide they want to recast at some point. I reckon it will keep going, because Big Finish do seem to put a lot into these big uh, ranges that they've developed. Like, I mean, they might take a break for some time, like Survivors did, but it eventually does come back, and I think it'll be the same with Blake 7. It'll, it'll always be some sort of Blake 7 in the works at Big Finish. I'd hope so. I definitely think there's room for it. I think I also really want them to bring back the companion... Uh, the Liberator Chronicles, which worked very much the same way as uh, the Companion Chronicles did with Doctor Who, which was one character, one or two characters telling a story in that sort of enhanced audiobook style. And I think the hit rate on those Liberator Chronicles was ridiculously high. They were near enough, all of them, really, really good, enjoyable, strong stories. And again, they kind of built up their own continuity um, which was very good to follow. We'll move on, and we will move on to something you and I have already discussed, Tom, um, the ninth Doctor Adventures Back to Earth. Mm. We did our mini bonus episode about Station to Station because we loved it so much, but we didn't really touch on the other two. So um, I'm just going to kind of quickly... Uh, we'll bring Jay back in. Hello. Uh, Jay... The Ninth Doctor Adventures Back to Earth. What did you think? What My favourite Ninth Doctor box set we've had so far. And that's, that's really tricky for me to say because I think it's been a solid run so far. I think sometimes with new series, Big Finish, it could be a bit um, middle of the ground, a bit bland. But I can honestly, hand on heart, say that this has been such a strong range so far. And especially this box set, we've got Station the Station, which starts us off, which is such a good, spooky, atmospheric story. Then it's bookended with the finale story, which also made me cry. So thank you, Big Finish, for the emotional trauma this month. Um, yeah, a teary really, good, really good cast. Really, especially in the finale. I can't remember what the finale one was called by Tim Foley, because I struggled to pronounce it, but... Yes, Old Lang such a good cast. Oh my god, probably the best big finish cast we've ever had in the release. Great stuff, made me sob my eyes out. But yeah, very good. I, I, I like it more than I enjoyed Respond to All Calls, which is saying something because I really enjoy Respond to All Calls. Mm. That's my review. I mean, we said. Um when we did our Station to Station bonus episode, didn't we, Tom, that the Ninth Doctor Adventures has become sort of a very, very special range for Big Finish. It's something that they're obviously so invested in and really, really want to produce such a sort of high-quality set of stories for, and they're absolutely succeeding. Um, we've talked, well, as I've said, we've talked about Station to Station, out of the other two, the false Dimitri and Old Lang Syne, what would you say was your favourite, Tom? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think Station Station is my favourite of the set, but of the other two, I think both had quite strong um, uh, strengths <laughs> to them. Strong uh, strengths. Strong strengths, I know. That could be the get on a t-shirt. Um, 
I liked the false Dimitri. It was a uh, quite a fun PC historical. It blows over all the 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 actual historical events in a very short space of time. It's not a it's not amazingly accurate by any means, but it, it was quite a it was a fun. I certainly enjoyed listening to it, which is at the, the end of the day the main thing that you want. I found the I found the guest cast quite engaging. the The old lady, she was quite fun. I found which it, that could have been I loved very her. easily been quite an annoying. That could have been an annoying role, but I think it actually she she made it fun. And then there's Old Lang Syne, which I think didn't quite hit the mark with what it was doing. But that's because it was quite an ambitious piece. But it did. I did still really engage with it. I still really loved the main romance between the knife doctor and the lady. It was just. That, I mean, that's my jam anyway. I, I love that sort of things. Um, and yeah, I think for the most part that was also really solid. But you know, stage station really impressed me, and the set as a whole. Yeah, I think it, I would say is my favorite of the uh, knife doctor adventures because I mean it's quite similar to respond to calls in some ways, but I feel like it does. It's sort of got, like, a mirror to each of those stories, but it does it better, in a way, you know, like... Old Lang Syne is just a slightly better, girl-deconstructed... Um, you know, the 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 second one is a better version of the framework, you know, it's just... It's like, it took those concepts and it just amplified them slightly a bit more and it made a, it's made a really strong set and I'm really excited for the rest of season two to see where it goes from here. I'm, I have to admit, I'm still very, very torn as to whether uh, Back to Earth is my favourite or uh, Old Friends. I really enjoyed Old Friends. I thought it was sort of a great uh, season finale. In fact, it, it's, it was a very kind of 2005 season finale. Um, I'll, you know, they, they'd introduced the Cybermen earlier in the series and then they brought them back for the finale as series one did with the Daleks and... Um, it was nice to sort of have that nostalgia at the Brigadier in there. It was nice for Nine to meet the Brigadier. I was actually really glad that happened. I think every Doctor should meet that the Brigadier. That was very good it's too. Just, it should be done. Um, but I thought all three sto- all three episodes or two stories in that set were very, very well done. They were very well written. Eccleston was just on fire all the way through. Um, Definitely. So yeah, I'm I'm still torn between the two of them, and at some point in the hopefully not too distant future, I will do a re-listen of everything Ninth Doctor so far, and sort of finally try and settle on my definitive favorite. I want to set. circle back to what you were saying about what makes a special range. I think is the fact that it's quite a it seems quite a writer-driven range. It seems that a lot of it is just writers pitching sci-fi concepts with the Ninth Doctor to David Richardson and then they sort of decided from there it's not like I don't think I don't think they've been given um concepts really like a shopping list seems from what I've heard on the behind the scenes it does seem that they are pretty much just asking they're giving the Chris Frexton's guideline for once in the knife doctor to be handing that to writers and then asking them to come up with a story and I think that is providing quite a lot of creative um yeah, just unusual stuff that you might not have got usually if it was like just the producer sitting down and saying, right, I want this story, I want this story, I want this story. I think that's what's making this range so special. Yeah, I'd absolutely have to agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you too. Um, Can I bring up a little point quickly, sort of uh, developing in what Tom said? Sometimes whenever new doctors, especially David Tennant, every time they announce something new, the excitement sort of died down a bit. But I honestly can say hands on hearts that with the Ninth Doctor stuff, I get excited every time I see a new box set with him. I don't know if that's because mm. we barely got any of him on TV than we did David, but it's just still so exciting. And also, side note to that, I'm so happy um, uh, Sam Smith Productions is doing the artwork for him now because she is so good. That, ugh, that oh, artwork for Back to is gorgeous. I bought it on vinyl mainly just so I can have her artwork. It's just, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, the artwork on vinyl will be absolutely fantastic. Definitely. I didn't mean to use fantastic there. That's the second time I've done that this episode now. Use... A podcast of unintentional puns. I know. Oh, dear. 
Um, so I will move us on and just asking you for sort of very, very quick responses to this one. Uh, what you're looking forward to the most from next month, from June? Oh, what's coming out next year? Not next year, next so month. So we've next year, next month. Uh, we've got the Fourth Doctor Adventures, uh, the Nine. Mm. Ooh. Uh, we've got Out of Time Three. Ooh. We've got the Seventh Doctor, Silver and Ice. Ooh. We have got the War Master Self Defense. I'm guessing War Master. Uh, and Billis is back in Torchwood, Dead Plate. So it's that's a strong month. There's some great stuff next month. Uh, so you're you're um, you're the War Master then. Your self defence, Jay. Yeah, definitely. And what about you, Tom? I mean, if I do pick up anything up next month, it will be the War Master self defence. Uh, I might might also pick up Wink, but I mean, the issue is I've not. Heard any of the about times, which are not connected, but then do I get the bundle? But then I'm not going to want to listen to free David Tennant movie dot stories back to back. So then do I listen to Out of Time free first and save the other two? But I don't know. But uh, that that's a very uh, big problem for the life of Tom Jones. But yeah, other than that, self defense is definitely looking like it'll be a probably buy. Maybe it's a wait for reviews, but a probably probably buy. See, I I think it's the nine I'm looking forward to the most. I really, really enjoyed the last fourth Doctor set solo. Um, so looking forward to sort of what his next set of solo adventures are going to bring, and I think that the nine is a interesting and obviously not as heavily explored as the eleven character. So it's going to be interesting to see him kind of get his own story and sort of uh, battle with the Fourth Doctor. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the Nine. The main story that interests me out of that set is the peak season uh, one, but that's the only one that you can't buy separate. So I still can't uh, get over that um, cover for um, oh, what's the second story in that Fourth Doctor box set called Shell Shock. Oh, shell yeah. shell. Oh, every time I look mollies. at it, I cackle. I love that. Oh, that oh, no. <laughs> but that point of perspective was a choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's and, quite a uh, unique looking cover. Yeah. You've, of course, you've got the uh, sort of Molly O'Sullivan Frankenstein, Photoshop Frankenstein going on with it as well. Yeah. Ryan's another one of the new artists that I really yeah, like. Ryan's really good. Quite interesting. He uses quite interesting uh, screen grabs, I guess, uh, yeah. for the sets. Yeah, I love it when artists use screen grabs because it makes it look so much more unique than what um, like using already established photos would be. Yeah. Hmm. But all in all, I think we can agree that next month is likely to be as strong as this one, maybe. Oh, it's been a strong hope, month. Let's hope Hopefully. so. Time will tell. Hopefully next one will manage to equal it, at least. All right, um, so we will come to a close with our usual section that we stick on the end, which is um, what else have we been listening to? So it can be anything, it can be Big Finish, Doctor Who, not. Just, yeah, what else has been in your ears this month? Uh, you go first, Jay. Well, I've been a bit naughty. I haven't really listened to anything this month apart from the stuff that's been re- released. I've just sort of been reading more than listening. And then I nothing Doctor Who, so I can't really say, oh, I've done this Doctor Who this month. Because I've just said that... Oh. Yeah. oh, go on. Tell us what you've been reading oh, then. I discovered a show called Heartstopper and I've fallen down such a big queer fiction hole... And I can't get myself out of it. I just finished Solitaire today and I've never had such emotional whiplash from a book before. I honestly thought my neck was going to break. But yeah, that's that's me for the month. And probably for the, yeah, and probably for the foreseeable future. But it's been good to explore new works of fiction that I would not have necessarily have delved into without other things. Ah, excellent stuff. And what about you, Tom? What have you been listening to that we've not talked about already? I've been listening to a bit of Sherlock, um, listened to a bit of Jago and Lightfoot. Uh, I've been listening to a fun podcast called A Spurious Podcast Spurious Morality, uh, which you might want to go check out. 
I've, I've heard it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, ma- mainly, again, same with Jay, just um, listening to the new releases, because there has been quite a lot. I, I'm not always... I'm not one that buys every release, really. Um, but this month, I've had, like, all four. I've had the Back to Earth, Waterworld, Warchest, and the new Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so I've had a lot to keep me busy. And I've uh, I've also been listening to Jay go on Lightfoot after you all got cross with me for not having heard it before. So I'm uh, I'm plodding on with that. I'm on about I think it's series eleven. I'm up to now, mm. um, and the masters just turned up. So that's all. Wouldn't that be a good idea to do a podcast about that, Johnston? Um, I, I think that might be uh, in the uh, in the planning. Oh, think well, with, this uh, is news to me. I know it's not like you're down to do that one with me and Holly already or anything. No, f- I, if I I couldn't possibly say NDAs and all that. Anyway, <laughs> a, a podcast of spurious morality spoilers. Spodcast spoilers. Spodcast spoilers. Get that on yeah. a t-shirt. No, nobody cares about David Tennant hanging around Camden Lock. What they care about is the upcoming Jago and Lightfoot episode coming at some point. Soon. Coming at some point in the future. To, uh, podcast platform near you yeah all right well we shall leave it there but it has as ever been an absolute pleasure recording so um do keep listening please everybody we're going to do a full ninth doctor episode uh next week uh we've got various other things coming up too i think we're going to talk about early big finish releases or the good old early days um we're going to talk about uh, Redacted properly as well when that's finished. We've kind of mentioned it a little bit here and there, but we're waiting for the whole series to finish, and then we're going to do a whole Redacted episode. Uh, and I think at some point in the future, we're going to talk Companion Chronicles as well. I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. one. Um, so plenty coming up. I'm sure we'll keep throwing a few bonus episodes at you as well. Um, we hear a release, we like it, and we decide to record a bit of a bonus episode about it as we did with Station to Station Tom Uh, and if you haven't listened to that one yet please do go and have a listen to it because we really loved that story we really did okie dokie we shall leave it there then so I will say thank you and goodbye to Jay bye bye and I will say thank you and goodbye to Tom goodbye And it's a goodbye from me, Johnston, as well.